0: Welcome back to dad. So hard. This is your favorite co-host, Vinnie Dunlevy, And now that you are listening, you are officially part of dad. So hard nation. If this is your first time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If this is not, and you're coming back, then please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm giving thanks. It is the middle of the holiday season. It is December. We are thick into season four and I am thrilled to bring you another father who is, uh, inspired me in his story. He is an author, most recently, a three-time author, most recently his book Four Months and a Lifetime is a real deep conversation about his journey as a father with his son's basketball team and all that goes through, which I know is relatable to everybody. He's also from Pleasantville, New York, a great part of Westchester County. But before we get to it, Please take a second, and maybe you need to pause this podcast to just rate and review it on on iTunes. Maybe you want to text somebody, say you got to go back to this episode; it's great. Maybe you want to go pause to Amazon and buy and order pre-order Chris's book, get it now for the holidays. Four months in a lifetime. You want to share a comment on Instagram at DadSoHardPodcast, or maybe you want to retweet us at Pod. Please do it all. We appreciate it. More episodes coming. We're in the middle of season four. Thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. Enjoy this conversation. Cue music. Welcome everybody back to Dad So Hard. I am your host this season, Vinny Dunleavy, where we are in the middle of season four, Exploring what makes dad's dad hard. Is it something you can do? Is it something you can't do? Should you be fearing fatherhood? Uh, as you've heard Danny and I over the years talk about it, the answer 100% is no. Uh, you could work hard, uh, dad hard, you work hard, play hard, and dad harder. It is our mantra. It is what we believe in. And we're here to sort of uh, share our own stories, trials, and tribulations in that and bring you some advice and inspiration from other fathers. And today, That is no different. Uh, I am so excited to tell you who our guest is. Uh, Before I do, please make sure in the world of podcasts, you subscribe, you listen. If you like what you're going to hear today, text it to a friend. It is as easy as hitting forward on your phone, chat it. I go, if you love me enough, you can immediately pause, take out your phone, forward this to one friend who you think needs a laugh and a break in life. I would appreciate it, Danny. Appreciates it. We don't do this for a dollar. We do it for your love and support. Uh, and because, you know, we like to have fun. So uh, that said, though, today, uh, I'm bringing to you another author and not just a gentleman who has written one book, but what I just found out approximately 30 seconds ago, because I do such extensive uh, interview prep, three books, uh, and with his latest being out right now, uh, called Four Months and a Lifetime. Uh, if you don't remember that, I will write it again, but it's Four Months and a Lifetime, and it is... Uh, no other than Pleasantville's own <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Chris Meyer. Thank welcome, you. Chris. Thank you for having
1: me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Vinny.
0: <laughs> oh, you are well. welcome to Dad So Hard Nation.
1: Uh, excited to be here.
0: And uh, so you I know you told me a minute before three boys, uh, uh, Chris, let's hear a little bit about your what is your fatherhood story? You, uh, married, not married, three boys.
1: Yeah, no. Um, happily married to the way better half for over 20 years now. Um, three, three sons, uh, almost 18, 15, and 12, and having the time of our lives with them. Um,
0: really enjoying being a dad. Uh, that, is, that is what we love to hear. Number one, it's enjoying <laughs> being a father. I think it's, I think that is a phrase that is sometimes, unfortunately, hard for a lot of men to say. And I think there's a lot of guys who probably are, uh, look back on their lives and go, wow, I wish I enjoyed being a father. And right. it weren't just a father. Right. That's a it is a headspace to get it.
1: It's a common spe- a common theme you hear for sure. I think, you know, to be quite honest with you, I uh, own and for have owned for the last 17 years, a couple of funeral homes. So for me, it's really oh. been. Um, it's really reinforced how, uh, how short time is in life and how precious it is. And I've really heeded those warnings. Um, they were, the, the funeral home has given me so much more in my life um, just to remind me every day to go be with your sons and coach everything. And uh, I just, I listened to those voices. People have always told me them, you know, and I met with families and they'd always say, if you have young children, they're only young ones go. And I really did. I took that probably because of my vocation. I took that very seriously and I went ahead and just, uh, I dove into being a dad and uh, yeah, I was a little bit later to coming to the dad and, you know, thirties, late mid thirties. And um, I have really enjoyed it, but, like you said, it's that's the tough part, right? It's that balancing test. How do you, you know, keep the wife happy, keep up a, a successful business, keep all the, you know, children going, uh, pay, think about paying for school, invest. I mean, it's so much going on. Then, you know, you throw in a pandemic and and something else and and it, it gets really, really challenging. So- it, get, it
0: Well, it gets it hard. And I think to your point to be able to, uh, what I love about what you're saying is it's the ability to say it is challenging. And I mm-hmm. think- uh men sometimes our role in life once you become a husband, you can argue is really not to be fun. You're like signing up the traditional old school model as you're a husband now. you got to provide for your family, you got to provide for your wife and kids. And there's nothing in that model for both, and I think same thing for moms. There's not a lot in the model of parenting that says you should allow yourself to have fun and you should be enjoying it. It's so much about dedicate your life to, to raise your kids. And I think you have to be able to find, to be the best parent, you have to be the best husband. You have to be the best for yourself, right? If you're not doing good by Chris, you're not going to do what good by your wife, and you're not going to do good um, by your kids. But like balancing that is tricky, and I and to be able to talk about it as a man to find support and ask for that support is also can be even trickier.
1: Yeah, and I think the key to that, Vinny, is, is sledgehammering the model that we grew up with, especially guys like you and me, mm-hmm. you know, maybe '60s, '70s. We need to, we need to break that. Our dads were not that. Hang on guy. a second,
0: Chris. Chris, I'm not 60 yet. Uh, I look old. <laughs> I, I said don't know. '60s you said
1: and '70s. Growing up, you grew up. In I the saying, late wait a 70s second. I was, like, I was in like, early '80s.
0: Anybody listening to oh, this? Oh,
1: stop <laughs> being like that. <laughs>
0: Uh, I was like, well, I said I was I told you my age before. I didn't know you were going to throw out. I'm 60. Uh, I was I was born in the 70s. Yeah, I was right. that's
1: a, that's a, in the 60s. That was yeah, say, that our was a fathers, world. when our fathers were fathers, you know, that was yes. the whole thing. You kind right. of stayed. You stayed with one job your entire life. It was very traditional. It was nine to five and it was provide for the family. And and, you know, it's very I, I tell a very um, vulnerable story of um, me coaching with my sons and I'm full bore, right. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm into it. I'm, you know, up in all these different places on the weekends and screaming at the top of my lungs. I I buy in and my father and mother came from New York once I'm in California now. And my, you know, my, I could look over and see my father looking at me with his jaw agape. Right. (laughs) And my mother, you know, they went home and, you know, had a lovely visit, and my mother told me this story, and she said, you know, dad came to me the other day, and he said, I never did that. I never did what he's doing, and that was a very emotional uh, moment for me, because it was almost as if my own father was saying, I have failed in that regard, and, but I never felt this, and I'd be honest with you, I People ask this question all the time. I never felt that he failed in that regard because when my father spoke of his work, he had such joy in his face and he loved what he was doing. And I respect it. Now, I loved the men who came and coached me and I respected them because I saw them taking their business clothes off and jumping onto the field for a couple hours a week but it was a very telling moment. And my mother said, you know, I said, well, what did you say to him? I mean, my my father's almost 80 years old. I I don't want to hurt my, I don't want him to feel that way. And she said, simply said, you can't go back and just take the joy that he has taken the message and he's doing it. And I think that is the joy. And that was a very vulnerable moment for both me and my father. Um, You know, and uh, I think. Have you
0: you ever explored that? Like what I hear about that story though, too, is that instead of him looking at, wow, did I miss something? Cause I wasn't there. What, where he was there and how he did raise you is what got you to where you are today. And we are all that. We are all the product, the good stuff, the stuff we do really well. I'll if understand. our parents did anything differently may not be there. Right. So I also, I live in a world of like, can't look back, no regrets. Tomorrow's a new day. And, and if my parents would have changed anything they did, I would not be where I am today. And I think you have to take as many of those mistakes and things in your life that you fucked up and are like, oh my God, how did I do that? But it also you I would never want any of the joy to be taken away. Right. So there's I, a it's a it's a weird headspace to be in, but, but it's a, but it's an heart. accurate
1: headspace to be in because you're yeah. exactly right. I think we're we are the products of where we become. And I don't think that there was ever a moment in my childhood where I was going like I'm going to be different. And there was some, there was never, I didn't feel any anger toward him for what his joy was. I just knew that my joy was on the ball field and playing sports and he was not an athlete and he didn't love that. And I respected that about him. I, you know, he had a catch with me in the front yard. Don't get me wrong, but that wasn't him. And, um, it was very interesting that as a youngest of three boys, I recognized that and really, really had no, uh, no anger at all toward him for that
0: so when but when now so thinking about unpacking that a little bit and you were saying how you feel you came to your dadhood in your 30s when you thought about the childhood you had when you got married and you had kids i feel like before i got married and had kids you're always like oh this is the kind of father i'm gonna be or did you end up the dad that you thought you were gonna be how far off from that is the dad that you have been right How, help out I, or did kids really radically, was there something that once they were born, you're like, Oh shit, I got to really change that point of view. Or were you living the vision that you really thought?
1: I think initially the, the instant shock of my first son, I was essentially an unemployed screenwriter in Hollywood and the actual uh, delivery through the birth canal of my child, that was the wake up call like, Holy shit this is a young human that I have to now take care of. And it was all fun and games when my wife had a big belly or didn't even have the belly. And it wasn't that real, but that for me was the moment that just snapped in my head. You know, I would play basketball every weekend. I didn't go anymore. I just, it's not that I didn't, I, I didn't love basketball anymore. I just loved this kid more. And I knew that, at, from that moment, that, that was my the click in my brain to say, all right, guys, it, it, you you had fun. You, you delayed. You were Peter Pan long enough, but now it, the shit's getting real, you know? What I
0: think is so funny about it is, and this is the part where I, I love having these conversations because I think so much in men's life, a lot of times when we have these aha moments, it's like a moment of shock and, and it's like shock and awe. And I think what I've said to me was like, even when you get married, for women, it's completely different. Because like when you get married, she gets to wear an engagement ring for a year and a half. People treat her like she's married for a year and a half before she's married. So there is a slow role adjustment into being somebody's partner when you're wearing an engagement ring. Right. When you're pregnant, you get treated differently for 10 months. Yeah, People are yeah. treated, there is a, you are automatically, you are getting used to the fact that something is different, something's growing in you. And for men, to your point, it is. it is, although yes, we should recognize it's real, the physicality of putting on a ring when you're married and waking up the next day, that to me was like, Oh my God, I'm a husband, but yeah. my wife's had a ring on for a year and a half. Right. Your, you, your wife carried a baby, that thing popped out in your arms, you know, like, Oh, and there's a weirdness about men's. There's a, and I think I, you talked to a lot of guys. I think it happens to us a lot of places where maybe we're ignorant to it, but it's like, you got to get smashed across the face with something to go, Oh shit. Like yeah. this is real. And what, yeah. what am I going to do? And, and I think instantly you have like 30 seconds to prepare. Right. What information are you pulling from? It's either family, friends or nobody, because no, most men don't like to talk and say they have a problem. So you're just like, oh, shit, what do I do? Let me do a Google search. Like, what do you like? I think that's a that's part of where we have to be better at supporting each other in ways that are.
1: Yeah, and honestly, that's why I think podcasts like this are just awesome, because they, you know, you sort of, there is this archetype, this male archetype of what we're supposed to be, right? And I think, like I said earlier, with the breaking of the models of the way our father did it, I think we have to do it here also. And I think, you know, again, society is not really like where we should be like men and be sensitive and be caring and stuff like that. But that's why, you know, the more of people and the more people from diverse backgrounds that talk about this, I think it becomes part of the sort of the lexicon of life. And I think that's what we really need. Honestly, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a more happy place to be, uh, especially in this world. And if men can talk about these kind of things and really, I think it's incumbent upon you and I to sort of hand off to the next generation below us and say, Hey guys, you know, here's what my dad did. Here's what I'm doing. Now you go, you take it from here. But I think uh, I feel like the walls are breaking down and I think that's a good thing.
0: A thousand, a thousand percent agree. So now, and you had this slip out early. You started, your. you're in LA or <laughs> you were a screenwriter. What led you, when did, so now that you're a screenwriter, yeah. you run a funeral home, yeah. but you also just published a third book. Yeah. So where in the, go back to, the thought process where you said i have it within me to write a book and i want to write a book what was we go back to that first idea of a nugget
1: yeah so that was interesting because I it was like i'm gonna make
0: cash or are you writing a book because you're like i want to i have something to say and i have something to share
1: yeah i think it was for a screen when when screenwriting ended it was when my, my child was born and i was like okay i i wasn't making it um, I, it was hard. I had a manager and an agent, but it was very difficult and I wasn't getting in. A couple spec scripts went out and I knew I was getting good at writing, but it wasn't providing for the family. So that was the impetus. And then I kind of I put all sort of uh, my literary dreams aside to kind of build this funeral home. And we had taken something that was on the cusp of bankruptcy. And that was really, really went 100 percent into making sure that was successful. Um, so that was about six years in and then about six years in I'm sitting with these families and I'm um, every day, the same things are coming up, right? These same life lessons are hitting me in the face and, yeah. you know, be with your children. Time is the greatest asset. You know, you, you'll never know, you know, be happy. You never know what to see your worst day of uh, worst day of vacation is always uh, better than your the best day of work. You know, all these messages from surviving families of loved ones and they would look at me and it was very profound. And I said, I think I can help people by, recording these um uh life lessons and putting them in a book and so that was the impetus to get back into writing because i felt i was hearing it at ground zero every day from surviving people and why wouldn't the whole world want to hear those lessons um,
0: you want to talk about a trail of tears i uh I, yeah. i'm a cry baby <laughs> Me too. Uh, I, yeah. I have a lot of harm i have a lot of emotional issues somewhat tied to hormones and everything else but like <laughs> Theater homes, churches, a uh, 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 good commercial. I'll cry on cue, but uh, you're living six feet under. If you want that yeah. show on HBO, that was phenomenal. You're you're like living it, which right Sands
1: the part brother partner, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I mean, it's insane. So then, what? Uh, bring me through. Then bring, uh, let's go through these three books uh, and bring me through. Sort of what was what was the what was the focus of the first one, and then how did that bring you to? Where are you today? And
1: sort so of. So the focus uh, the of the first one was the hearing these lessons. So I, I memorialized them into 20 life lessons, uh, and, and and I thought that you know people would want to hear these. So the the American public would want to hear the lessons that I learned being in the funeral home industry for you know now. And
0: what's that? What's that book called? Four, life in four lessons.
1: What a funeral guy discovered from life but from death by about uh, life from life. death. So that's life in 20 well,
0: lessons. Life in 20. Right. So after I
1: wrote that and kind of life in 20
0: lessons. I love it.
1: Yeah. And I did that. And so I let that germinate. And then the pandemic hit. And in the pandemic, I had a lot of time. We were all locked down. My kids were all home. I wanted to spend a lot of time with them. And I would go upstairs and write this other book. And I had always I had been in Hollywood for 11 years. Yeah. And I wanted to always write a Hollywood book that the guy in Peoria could read and understand the sort of the underbelly of how Hollywood works. So I couched that in a story of a woman protagonist, a Hollywood executive, and it's kind of like devil meets Prada meets Boogie Nights. It's kind of gotcha. salty and dark, and but it's also got a lot of uplifting. So that was the genesis of that. And then this last What's that footprint. book
0: called? Wait, what's that book called? That's a book called The Wood. The Wood. Love the it. Wood. Yeah. I mean, listen, t- it takes balls to write a book called The Wood. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of internet jargon about who the wood is and uh, There's a lot of clickbait. Listen, everybody go out and this go is buy a The Wood. Show, though. There's a yeah, it's, it's a uh, we all every guy needs to be reading about The Wood. Every right. guy. Regardless exactly. of the wood. It is. I think that could, that could age, be, right?
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a very date. That book makes it into a TV series.
1: Very dangerous. Well, we're hoping uh, for a movie, but that's a whole nother uh, a podcast. <laughs> uh, um, and oh, then, yeah. so then the other book was really uh, again about um, my journey, my coach, my middle son's team from kindergarten through eighth grade. And I wanted to memorialize that my last time with them in eighth grade as their coach. And so it kind of details uh, their eighth grade season and how in Pleasantville, I grew up and how I came to love basketball. Um, So that's called four months in a lifetime. And that's the one that just got released in September. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. And in that book, like what do you think when you think about that coaching of a team, because it's uh, this year, actually, I am managing my daughter's soccer team for the first time. And uh, it is actually like, I, if I take a step back, there are a lot of life lessons I have learned from a bunch of fifth graders, right? uh, fifth grade girls. Right. I have learned more about myself. And sometimes my, my wife yelled at me the other night because she said, you need to learn to be as empathetic and understanding to your family as you are these 11 girls in the field. Because they're nice. not my children. And I and 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 I realize I am learning a tremendous – there's stuff that I am learning through their eyes and, and trying to be a better manager and doing right by them and their families and then dealing with the moms. I mean, it is a whole – it is not, yeah. it is a thing yes. it is a thing and a thing what do you when you think about your experience there what was the most looking back on it what was the surprising thing to you when you went to go coach uh, whether it was about the relationship with your son or the relationship with the other kids what 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 surprised you the most about that experience
1: i think it was that you know, you can play such a large part in their lives and give them life lessons. It really it becomes less about basketball and how to prepare them to be young men in the world. And um, you know, they have bad days, just like everyone has bad days, and try to play that amateur psychologist and understand where they're coming Definitely. from when they walk into the gym. But I am exactly like you. I have learned a thousand fold than I've ever given about myself and about, you know, my motivations for doing things. And that for me has been the greatest joy. I always wanted to be with my son and he was sort of the runt of the litter in, uh, in this basketball team. And he knew how to fit in. He's very pragmatic, good, solid player, but he was never the superstar. And I think that um, I just enjoyed having him have so much fun that I was there like he would revel in the fact that that's my dad and we would talk you know when I would tuck him in at night and we would talk about that and he would be you know he would say oh man you're kind of you're kind of a legend at that school and people like you know they really <laughs> love you you're you're kind of a little salty you know you're not the the perfect yeah. coach and you know that and i think kids feed off of that kind of passion i don't know what kind of coach you are but i'm a screamer and you know a lot of history on
0: oh, I'm everything under the sun, from party man to scream. I mean, like, I, I will yell and scream, but I try to be. These are girls, so I'm trying to be empathetic. I spent my weekend painting pumpkins for them for Halloween, and then I uh, and then I uh, made them like dog tags. I write. So right now, one of the mantras I have, and we're dealing with sort of a communication issue. So on, an, I had met somebody on another podcast who taught me the phrase: "Is it con- is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary?" Hmm. And this, and I've adopted it in my oh. house to say. I don't want to hear something out of your mouth unless you can answer those three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? If the answer is no, 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 I don't want to hear it. So these girls we're trying to get them to talk and help each other in the field, but there's a lot of chatter there. These chicks are talk, 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 talk. So I made what I wanted to do. And this week at practice, we're going to talk about it, but I made, uh, 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 I got luggage, clear luggage tags uh, that you can buy for your luggage. And then I uh, made uh, little logos for our soccer team. And on the back of it, I wrote, is it kind, is it true, is it necessary? And, I'm, and I have put their names on it. So to give it them to them all, to put on their soccer backpacks. And it's a way to remind like, and this idea that it's not just about how you say it on the field, right? Because in the field, it's saying, don't do, it's not like, Chris, you shouldn't have gone, right? right? You say, Chris, go left. Chris, go up the field. And talking in a way that's positive, supportive, but understanding that, like, it's not always your place, and it's not always the right thing to say. But how do you help them have a simple construct of going, "Should I say this?" Right. And as much as as much as I think it's a rule for my house, I am trying to adopt it for myself because ah. the shit that comes out of this mouth is. Am I? I'm like. uh. Yeah. So I, I, said done.
1: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I think it's I I just was watch, uh, watching some TikTok the other day about someone far more learned than me. And he was basically saying the same thing. He said, when you think it, it's one thing. But when it comes out of your mouth, it expands 20 fold. And, you know, that I think uh, I love the the idea of listening more than talking. I mean, I think it's a really great gift that a lot of, not not many of us have, but
0: the ability <laughs> it's to listen. It's, right? it's underrated. It's totally
1: underrated. Just listen, process your thoughts, maybe keep them, don't. Choom, choom. So I try to do that, but it's not always, I'm not always successful there, Vinny.
0: <laughs> if I said on this podcast, I'm a great listener. The hate now, yeah. the trolls I'm going to get from my friends, they'd be like, stop it, guy. But I do think, what I've been saying to these girls also is also an understanding. And I'm getting this me and my wife is that if if I say Chris I don't like what you wrote I may just be saying I don't like what you wrote that doesn't mean that's not what you heard what you could have heard is Vinny just told me I'm terrible or Vinny doesn't like my <laughs> Vinny doesn't like what I like and I think you have to respect the fact that like it is as much as about what you say and, and it is about also what the person is receiving and what they're hearing and if they're hearing it differently that doesn't mean you're wrong that right. just means you have to say, you know what, what you heard, let me, re- that's not what my intent was. And you can change that. But like, you got to have that. You have, you, you know, and I yell and scream. I mean, like I've had some moments like last night, the pet every day in our house, you never know what's happening here. But I say to my son every night, I'm like, listen, what you did was wrong. And you were, you were not a bad kid, but that what you did was just bad. Right. And tomorrow I want you to wake up. I want you to remember it. I want you to be better. And but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna like I'll lose my temper and I'll the next day I go listen. Daddy doesn't want to yell and scream. Right. However, I, I, this is not. We can't live in a world where you're. like My son right now is saying friggin' friggin' friggin'. And he's like you're a friggin' this, and I was like you're not cursing at me. You need to yeah. stop. You yeah. need to stop. And then I had to like throw him down on the bed because he was trying to punch me in the face. Right. And I was like right. you need to stop. And then he started. Then he was like then because I had a, a sh- I pushed him down the bed. He's like, you're being mean to me. And I'm like go cry to your mother. And my wife's yelling at me. I go, he can cry. This is okay. He has a right to be upset at me, but right. we are not living in a house where he's going to do that. And, and it's the hard part is the discipline the disciplining is the hardest. Cause you, it's like, and my son has ADHD. And so there's other, it's like how much of it is just him being tired, food issues, yeah. the, the, the other things. Uh, but I also go, listen, my parents in the seventies raised me and didn't have half the information or knowledge that I have. And they did a pretty good job. I can't, I don't want to judge myself, and I think I feel worse for my wife because I think in the world of parenting for women, there's a lot more judgment, and it, it, and it's much much harder. I think for guys, like one of the things that I found interesting in doing this podcast and, and showing up at my kids' events is unlike a mom. If a mom shows up to a parent teacher conference, it's expected. If a dad shows up, it's great. It's like I won an Academy Award. They're Quite. like, holy. God. I mean, it's a pat on the back. you get, And every teacher in the school, I mean, most elementary schools especially are, are skew more female in terms of teaching and staff. So these, these women are just like incredible to see a father involved. Like we went to all the special need conferences and all the teachers would be like, it's just so great to see you involved because oftentimes we have dads show up and they go, my kid doesn't have a problem. My kid doesn't need the help. And I'm always like, first of all, it's free. If, uh, if, somebody's, if, if somebody's gonna offer me a personal trainer for any part of my body, whether it's my brain, my eyes, or my, or my, uh, why would I, I'm dumb to say no. I'm taking it, like, right. I, like, it's a, I don't look at it as a special need. I try to say it's a superpower and we all have superpowers and you know what, maybe it's not going to get him a 4.0, but his emotional IQ is going to be tremendous and he'll still get a job making a lot of money. So like, right. it's going to be fun. Yeah. But I do think it's a, uh, sometimes I fear that dads, we, we often can, can also get a lot more credit than we deserve. Yes. And that's the part of, we need to show up not just to get the credit, but we need to start showing up so that we can actually we can change the expectation and, and also be better at it. Right. Like you don't just want to do the minimum. You want to, you want to be the best and take some of the burden away from your partner and your wife, you know, wives and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you tapped into, for me, what's really the most Uh-oh. difficult part is, are, you, are we good? Um, you tapped into uh, the <laughs> most difficult part is trying to be the friend and get along and be the buddy. And then, when it's time, the disciplinarian, and and they they're thinking of you as the buddy, and then all of a sudden you're trying to play the disciplinarian, and they're like, "Well, wait a minute, aren't you my homeboy?" And you're like, uh, n- "Today, now I need to be the father, right?" And I think that that. oh right, I- you
0: know what? We're gonna. I'm gonna. move, I may have to move one second. I'm gonna. I'm, this is this part. We may edit this part out, Chris, or we're just gonna do this on the go. Okay. I'm having, I'm having some IT audio issues. You were saying. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you so you in your world you talk about the balance of not just see, they may see you as a buddy and a friend right and then when you
1: different. have to be that disciplinarian or what I mean I just experienced that with my son it's like you want to step in as and be the disciplinarian maybe they're not as receptive to that because they're used to being you know they're not used to being you being the authoritative guy
0: world well, then Give an example of where do you think you failed this past week? Because I fail, I feel like on a 48-hour on a basis, like five times. Where is the more recent time you've had to really balance then that discipline and fatherhood and maybe? Yeah,
1: I think I, think I fail like you uh, way more than than I get uh, give myself credit for. I, I fail all the time. And I, I tell my children about my failures. And I tell them that, you know, I am the father, uh, but I am not... Perfect, and I am not a superhero, and I fail every day of my life. I tell them about my failures in business because, for me, the failures are the building blocks, and I want them to fail. I don't want them to be just in this hermetically sealed cabinet that they never stretch from themselves. I have a cup one son who's a very good student, and he's very comfortable, and I want to challenge him. I want him to get out there, and I want him to be. You know, more gregarious, but maybe that's not who he is, and yeah. that's where I—that's where I find uh, parenting very difficult—is because each of the personalities of my sons just couldn't be more different. It's like how did how did you even get spawned from your? Well, mother? the hardest
0: part, no, you project, you project yourself. I'm project, right? I want my. I'm like, I want, or I what I want them time. to be better. I want them to be better versions of me. So I wasn't good at. I'm like, can you be better than me at this? And that that projecting part is very hard. It was
1: so very we, difficult. Very it's
0: difficult. interesting. It's interesting you talk about failure at business and life and stuff because I'm a true believer in I think more executives and more of these more people that get up to big successful rankings. We need to talk about you get there because of good things you did well, but you also got there because of things you made mistakes about. And I sometimes think the model of a fatherhood or the model of success for a man in this country ultimately is like become a CEO. Like I say, like women have women are told to break the glass ceiling because the ceiling is assumed to be whatever the man created, right? Like We're not necessarily being pushed to be better than that. But I also think, like, it, there's never a world, I, as a man, when you do fail or get laid off uh, or lose your job or things change, it, I think what people don't see is, for a guy, I actually think it's, it, 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 you don't underestimate that because there's no narrative for that in society that says that's acceptable. It's almost like there are things where the only thing acceptable for a guy is, Uh, especially as a white man in this country, especially it's about success is supposed to, you're born into it, you'll get it, work hard. Wow. And And, and I think it's not always, uh, for any man out there, mistakes are hard to accept and to improve on. And we all have to help everybody be more tolerant of it, right? Like That's the part of where you have to recognize it's okay and not put a lot of self um, BS on you. But I don't think there's enough executives at the high levels that talk about their failures like i don't think you know you don't see on you don't see on the news media a lot of these big big guys talking about i got here because of the thing i screwed up on but i think when you unpack it to your point that the biggest learnings you had in your life were probably mistakes you made in the business and i would guarantee
1: you that the ceos would tell you the same things it's like to me that would be the ultimate show of course i would be the host but it would be 100 uh, percent. yeah it would be talking to people but how do you get them to be real with you? Because like, I want to understand like what Jay-Z did to get to be Jay-Z, but I want the real version. I don't want you to gloss over like the grittiness or of what happened or even, you know, Bezos or whomever it is.
0: No, no, nobody's nobody's asking us those questions because people are assuming there was no challenge. They think Jeff Bezos (sighs) like, no, like he's a part of me is like, he probably had hard things. And also like Jeff has a wife now, Like I don't know if he has kids, but I think about like, there are these guys who are CEOs that have wives and families. Like, is it easy for them to see their wife two hours a week? Because let's be real here. If you're the CEO of one of these major companies, I don't know how much time Jeff Bezos actually has to see his girlfriend. Like, look, let's just be real here. He yeah, you, you changed
1: him. that because it's not his wife anymore. She's very wealthy, also, but now yes, it's yes.
0: His girlfriend. His girlfriend. Yes, yeah, like, he he's more comfortable now. I think. <laughs> but I would. I would love to know how, man, how no, many hours he sees great. his girlfriend. Like, yeah. But, and, and and that's okay. I believe that's okay if it's a choice. If it's your choice and it's the lifestyle, by all means, if you want to be a father who because the way you want to raise your kids, you have to work 90 hours a week. If you're choosing to do that, by all means, great. But I think I, I want to say to them, is it a choice though? Or is it just a de facto assumption that that's what you're supposed to do? And, and to me, it's like, well, then there's an opportunity to not just assume it has to be that
1: way. Yeah, and I think, again, especially when people get to the destination, this, this, if you, you're saying a CEO is sort of the penultimate or whatever the ultimate, You, you there's no human being that could be every great at everything right you're either great at business you're either great at fatherhood and i think a lot of us myself included just try to be okay at a lot of things uh, that's why, that's, I, okay. I mean i want to be i want to be a good husband i want to be a good dad and i want to be somewhat successful in business but it's very very difficult to just kind of you i almost feel like you're on a canoe right and you're like okay where, where does the weight need to be distributed today and yes, i feel at like any, that at any I feel like that in life. I really do. And uh, I think a canoe analogy is really good because I never feel stable in a, in a canoe. <laughs> I'm a big dude and I'm like, maybe a uh, big dude shouldn't be in a canoe. But that's why I feel about life. I, I mean, I'll be very honest with you, Vinny. I do. Yeah. And I think, again, I think that's why I love this kind of thing. Because talking about it is going to help some kid that's, you know, 10 years old. And, well, and that's
0: the point of like, it is about uh, work hard, play hard and dad harder. Doesn't mean you're not going to screw up along the way, yeah. and it, but you're, but you're willing to get your, your, the point is you're willing to get in the canoe and try yeah. and you will fall over. Water will come in, right. but it is better to be out there trying and having a good time than right. watching it from the sideline and watching it rot and wondering would the canoe have ever worked. And I think uh, it, it, it's pushing ourselves to say, can you try to have it all? You gotta just edit, and it, it's always a balance too. It ebbs and flows, and 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 and, and, and yeah. Don't try to have it all. I mean, again,
1: you know, there's like you said, uh, yeah. there are portions of our life when we're more family centric. There's more portions of our life when we're business centric. And no. I, the one thing I will raise my hand and say is stop and and step off the habit trail and don't try to keep up with the Joneses those are two especially guys in suburbia uh, families in suburbia it's never like it seems and get the hell off the habit trail and do you That's a great thing it's not easy because we all want to drive the right thing, go to the right school have our kid go. Get off of
0: that shit. I want somebody to find me the Joneses. The what Chris, here's yeah. a TV show idea. Right? The Joneses don't exist. Yeah. I, I, I think you should write a scripted drama, yeah. call it the Joneses, <laughs> and have it be about the family that everybody thinks has it all. Right. And they actually have you nothing. Have nothing. Yeah. That because we're all searching Genius. for them and yeah. nobody knows who they are. But right. when you see them, you're like, they're perfect. And right. it's not perfect. And no. anyway. But that would be a very fat. If you called the show "The Joneses," I would watch that because I. Be like, All right, I, yeah, I love it.
1: Maybe the, uh, you'll executive I, produce, and then there I, we go.
0: I'm happy. <laughs> I said I'm an idea man. I am an idea I factory. Factory. So uh, before we go, I want to because I do want it. We're going to the holiday season. We may be in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I have admitted on this podcast before. I am not a giant reader. I have skimmed skimmed your book uh, yeah. uh, only because I have it electronically, and my eyes are. Out of my <laughs> Uh, but, uh uh and I'm doing my best to really lean in and doing things. But if somebody was to gift this book to, do you want, if I'm a gift, somebody's gift giving right now, who should be getting your book and what should that, if the person is to read it, what are they going to get out of it? So who do you want them to buy it for? Yeah, I think it's
1: for moms and dads in suburbia yeah. and I think that what they would get from it is that to be involved in your children's life in whatever capacity it is, it doesn't have to be coaching. It could be knitting, it could be collecting dolls, whatever it is. I think getting down on the ground and looking your child in the eye is really what they want. They want this eye connection and they want to feel that, you know, Vinny is present, dad is present with me today and right here. I think we all overestimate trying to take our children on fantastic trips or purchase them, you know, the greatest things. And honestly, I I I, I again I'm an older dad. They don't care. They love no, the time. The greatest times I have are with my sons watching football. We're hanging out together. We're eating chicken wings and we're just chilling. And they love that, and I know they love that. And you know, of course, they're not going to tell me for another thirty years. But <laughs> or uh, ever, or, that's okay. Forever, forever, forever. But I know okay. the those experiences that I had with my father and mom also um, in Vermont. No TV available. Yeah. Sitting in front of the fire, you know, eating, uh, you know, pigs in a blanket was probably some of the best times of my life. I mean, it was yeah. just it was simple.
0: And, I love uh, that. Well. For yeah. people listening, if uh, it's four months and a lifetime, Correct. and it is on Amazon, you can yes, give it, it, it. You can give it. You can vote it as a gift very, very easily. Very easily uh, on <laughs> on Instagram for, for more of Seth. It's also at or Chris at Chris Meyer. I keep wanting to say Seth Myers. That's right at Chris Meyer. Meyer author. I'm I'm changing your name. It's at Chris, at Chris Meyer, Meyer com. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Meyer with an M-E-Y-E-R. M- but uh, uh, and as you heard, it, if you have a parent or a friend who is a parent who wants a little inspiration, it is an easy read. It's a nice coffee table book. It's a, it a stocking stuffer for all stocking stuffers. Go out and buy it. Uh, I am thrilled uh, that we have introduced you to Dads of Heart Nation. I'm sure some of you know about it and we're good to go. And, I, and I'm, I'm so glad we were able to meet this way. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Vinny. Best oh, of no luck problem, with Chris. No problem. To the Dad So Hard podcast, if you want to hear more, and we're thrilled by this episode, but think, what did I miss? How do I how do I hear more of this stuff? And I can't wait to next week. You can always go back to our old episodes and listen to them in our giant library. You can visit us at wearedadsohard.com. You can follow us on Instagram Dad So Hard podcast or on Twitter, you Dad So Hard Pod. Uh, And if you want to reach out to us, please do not hesitate to send me an email at dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Danny and I are here. We are listening. We're excited. We cannot thank everybody for being part of Dad So Hard Nation. And we hope you guys have another wonderful day.